0: Peace of Mind, a podcast looking at mental health and psychiatric conditions and the science behind them. My name is Catherine Hopkins and I'm part of the communications team at the National Centre for Mental Health here at Cardiff University. I'll be hosting this special mini episode of the podcast, Women in Science, which is in honour of International Women's Day. Today I'll be speaking with PhD student Jasmine Donaldson who is doing research into Huntington's disease at the MRC Centre in Cardiff. Joining Jasmine is PhD student Rachel Pass, who is investigating copy number variants into psychiatric disorders and is based in the Neuroscience and Mental Health Research Institute. And finally, Dr Adele Price-Roberts, who is an Alzheimer's Research UK Clinical Research Fellow and Welsh Clinical Academic Track at Cardiff University. Thanks for joining me today. As International Women's Day is nearly upon us, I was hoping you'd be up for sharing a little bit about your journeys and how you came to be women in science. Of course.
1: Yeah, of course. Adele, if you wouldn't mind going first. Okay, well, thank you very much for inviting me here today. Um, so I'll just talk a little bit about, about what I do on a day-to-day basis. So um, so I'm basically interested in, in cognitive disorders and dementias especially, um, and Alzheimer's disease in particular is what my research is based on. So uh, Alzheimer's is, is not a single gene disorder, so basically there's lots of different contributors to, to getting Alzheimer's. So there's some genetic risk factors, but age and other environmental risk factors are are also very important. But of the genetic risk factors, there's a gene called APOE, which has been shown to be the most uh, significant genetic risk factor. So my uh, research is basically looking into what that gene does. One thing I'm particularly interested in is looking at uh, synapses, which are the connections between nerve cells. So um, using a, a gene editing technique which is uh, called CRISPR and which has um, basically been very uh, prominent in the last few years. Um, I edit cell lines, change their ApoE gene or change the genotype and then grow those uh, cells into neurons and astrocytes so I can investigate uh, how the synapses work in the different, uh, g- with different genotypes of the ApoE. So uh, that's, my, that's my day-to-day <coughs> basis. It's uh, summed up very simply, but uh, it's, uh, it's not been simple to create the model. No, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so thank you for having us. Um, so I look at Huntington's disease, um, and like Adele, I use stem cell models to model Huntington's disease. Um, and what I'm interested in is understanding genetic factors that might modify the age at which someone develops the disease. So Huntington's disease is caused by um, a mutation in the Huntington gene but we now think that there might be certain uh, genes that actually act on the mutation and cause people to either develop Huntington's disease later or earlier than expected. Um, So I also use CRISPR um, to introduce genetic variants into my cell line which is a cell line from a patient with Huntington's disease and then I basically look at the effect on the cells. So do they... um, do they look any different when there's a gene edit? And when I differentiate them into neurons, um, which are the cell type that dies in Huntington's disease, is there any changes in their growth or in energy metabolism or in DNA repair? Um, yeah, so that's also what they do.
0: <laughs> Thanks Jasmine. And yourself, Rachel? Okay,
3: uh, thank you for having me as well. Um, so I do a slightly different um, area of research. So. Um, I focus more on the psychiatric conditions, um, and like a major strength in Cardiff is the looking at the genetic risk. Um, so I assume people have some understanding that things like schizophrenia and bipolar tend to run in families, and at least a part of that is down to your genes. Um, but like with Huntington's um, disease, like Huntington's disease where it's just um, one gene that is causative, <clears throat> it's more similar to Alzheimer's disease in the sense that lots of genes um, and lots of mutations within these genes have an impact so, we're trying to find out. So, we have this sort of list of mutations that may increase your risk. What is the actual underlying biology that contributes to causing a, a disease state? Um, so, I am particularly interested in um, again looking at the synapse. So, that's the junction between the two neurons where they're talking to each other. Um, and there's a lot of evidence suggesting that there is an abundance of these mutations, particularly focused on the synaptic area, Um And uh, of the um, particular gene I work on, it um, has more association with schizophrenia, or there is some suggestion of links to other disorders. And in terms of what we're trying to find out, we've modelled it, and we're trying to find out the impact it has on cognition, particularly, um, as cognition and impairments of cognition are sort of an under um, under area of um, psychiatric um, research, in the sense that when you say to someone uh, schizophrenia, they tend to think of hallucinations, delusions, that sort of thing, as opposed to impairments of cognition. So, ability of attention, um, ability to like change, uh, if you have like one sort of thought process and change it to another, that sort of thing is a lot more difficult, this sort of flexibility of cognition. So, we want to sort of try and understand this area slightly more. Um, yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, that's amazing. Thank <laughs> okay. you. It sounds fascinating, but I, I almost, I just. Even that simple explanation of what you do every day just sounds so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for sharing. <laughs> and thank you for breaking it down as well, all of you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was hoping now you could kind of maybe weave us a, a short story of how you came to be in neuroscience. Would <laughs> <laughs> like to yeah. go first, Adele? <laughs> I but I had to. Mine's not a entirely <laughs>
1: short. I'm, I'm slightly longer in the tooth than, the, <laughs> than my two, two fellow... Uh, interviewees. So um, um, I I started off, um, I was quite interested in science at a young age and thought about doing medicine um, at that point, but um, couldn't quite justify uh, um, getting my parents to pay for six years at at university. So I just thought, I'll I'll do engineering instead and I'll try and get some um, sponsorship. Um, So I took a year in industry in Slough. That was clever. (laughs) So well rest of my uh, university peers were going around backpacking and uh, meeting the Dalai Lama. I was living in a, in a one-bedroom place in Slough on my own at the age <laughs> of <80 laughs> <less glamorous. laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I didn't get sponsorship <clears throat> and then went to university and thought mm, I'm not sure I want to do any science anymore having done science for a year in, in industry. So I did uh, essentially politics and economics, uh, ended up working at the Bank of England uh, so I worked in the city for seven years and then retrained as a doctor, aged 29. Um, but I was always interested in, in sort of research. Some of the things I did at the Bank of England were kind of position papers, thinking about uh, different sort of concepts. Um, and then I just got involved with um, research when I was at medical school. So I have a particular shout out to a to a epileptologist called Hannah Cock, who is. Uh, a teacher on the course I was on, who was a fantastic woman, and uh, was an inspiration to to actually do neurology. So I did some work with her and one of her colleagues, and it went from there. Then I did an academic job um, as a as a foundation doctor. Then I did uh, moved to Wales to um, to do the WCAT scheme, which is an excellent scheme, which uh, gives you a training through being a, a neurology registrar or an a registrar, um, plus three years for a PhD. So, so that's what that's what I've been doing. Um, I got interested in Alzheimer's. I think there's a lot of us with personal links to a lot of the diseases that we're interested in. Um, my two grandmothers had uh, had Alzheimer's disease, so um, you know motivation when things are going wrong, as they inevitably do with this sort of research, you kind of realise what well, you're doing. It, you're trying, you're doing it in, in honour of those people um, and to try and avoid other people going through the same sort of heartache as your family have. It's is a, is a grand aim, but mm. it kind of keeps, keeps you getting up in the morning when things go wrong. Yeah, are going I was going to say a passion's going <coughs> to see you through
0: any kind exactly. of issues you're having. Yeah, so it certainly doesn't sound like you had a straight line to where you are. <laughs> no, <laughs> More kind of no. a pinball in a machine. <laughs>
1: yeah, some may call me a bit flaky, <laughs> but uh, I prefer to think uh, you know we're all going to be working for a long time. Mm. So uh, you may as well be enjoying what you're doing. And I'm I'm finding an area where I feel I'm comfortable and I, I you know I really enjoy getting up in the morning and coming into the lab and seeing how the, how the cells are doing, the baby cells. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic, thank you.
2: Um, yeah, so I guess I've always been into science as well. Um, and I think I've said this before, but so my mum was like an aromatherapist and kinesiologist and so she has always been fascinated by the brain and biochemicals. Um, and she always kind of said, oh, if I had my time again, I'd do neuroscience, but it just wasn't really an option um, back then, (laughs) um, and so yeah, so she'd always kind of talk about the brain and certain things occur and imbalances and yeah, with say mental health or um, neurodegenerative diseases say, so I was always interested and then chose to do neuroscience at Leeds and I think there was a really heavy focus at Leeds on neurodegenerative disorders so I've always kind of been interested in the mechanistic side of things so a certain pathway, when it goes wrong, or all the genes that are involved in a certain pathway, how can that pathway then lead to a disease? Um, Or how can a fault in one gene kind of then cause this cascade that then leads to a disease? So I was really interested in kind of the cause and effect. So what is one gene doing that then, yeah, like I just said, will lead to a disease? Um, And so when I came to Cardiff, I was really interested in finding projects that were uh, had a neurodegenerative um, basis, basically. And so I spoke to Leslie Jones, um, and she had this project in Huntington's disease um, and in collaboration with Nick Allen, who worked with stem cells. And so I was always really interested in the stem cell side of things because I do think they're a really good model for diseases because they are so physi- physiologically relevant, taking cells from a patient that has the disorder and you know how the disorders manifest in adult life So you kind of can actually uh, track the disease and see how it manifested and you know that those cells have the mutation that you're looking at. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it and then also what I'm doing now.
0: A little bonus on the end. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So similar to the other two, I have also been sort of interested in science since I was quite little. Um, But through basically the majority of my school life, it was with the intent of being a vet Um, So I even went to the point of um, going and doing like uh, mini vet schools and stuff and um, I found I actually loved the surgery and I still do think anatomy is really cool but like the day to day just wasn't interesting enough for me to sort of follow it up anymore. So I was like oh god what do I do now? Um, And I'd taken psychology and found that really interesting because obviously school biology isn't quite the same or back then it wasn't like I think we maybe touched on the development of neurons or something once. That's it. So it's, it's more just general biology. Um, so I decided i do psychology at university, but I went to Keel in the end because they let me do psychology and biology, and I thought two complemented each other quite well. Um, and I got there, and within the first semester, I realised that it was far more interesting at university level to do biology, in particular neuroscience. So I sort of picked out all sort of modules, primarily that were disease-orientated or neurological-orientated. Um, and I followed that through to a master's, um, which, again, I actually had more of an interest in neurodegeneration at this point. So I was also more interested in doing Huntington's disease. Um, and so I sort of had a year between my master's and sort of working in Cardiff. Um, and so I volunteered in the brain pair group in Cardiff, which look at Huntington's disease and Parkinson's disease. Um, and then I got offered a job here working for Adrian Harwood. So I actually did work with um, cells as well. So I'm, I'm well aware that they are <laughs> definitely <your> babies. <laughs> um, and that was working a similar sort of thing to what I do now, but it was in a cellular model instead. Um and then I was offered a PhD here and initially I wanted to go back into neurogeneration, but um it was an opportunity and in science, you know, you do have to sort of weigh up. Do I just take the opportunity even if it's not ideal to what I'd like to do? And actually it turned out to be the best thing I've ever done because I love the area of research I'm in, I find it really interesting. And in the similar sort of ways as you were saying, Adele, like it's you have to try and remind yourself why you're doing it and although I don't have a personal connection as such to schizophrenia it's, it's quite hard to realise that there are people who are struggling with this and there's so little we can do about it mm-hmm. at the moment and it's, it makes a lot of difference to remember actually there's a reason we're doing it and
0: so when things aren't going well, that's quite nice. Mm-hmm. I guess, um, particularly yeah. as well, in a condition that you said there isn't much we can do at the moment, yeah. that must provide a passion in itself.
3: Yeah, to get you in. Because in I mean, it's frustrating in the way that you feel like we are that much further behind mm-hmm. the neurogen- um diseases in the sense that there are drugs coming to market and there seems to be like more progress being made there. But I guess we are that little bit further behind with mental disorders.
2: But they're finally getting the recognition. Um, exactly, I think that they yeah, really it's need. getting
3: to the point where we're able to do a little bit more. And I think just having the higher prevalence in the medium, people know that we aren't forgetting them, which makes a big difference. And obviously, although not necessarily schizophrenia, I do have uh, a range of friends who had issues with their mental health. So even though it's not explicitly the same one, and there is a lot of overlap. So even if you're not explicitly helping one group of people, mm. just in general, it can help make quite a difference.
0: I was wondering if you'd have anything you'd like to share about your experience working day-to-day in the centre or any kind of tips and advice for maybe fellow PhD students or scientists?
2: I have points about science in general and the fact of saying, like, I think in science, well, this is how I felt anyway. You, in higher education, you kind of... I think you're not actually told enough that you're doing a good job and maybe this sounds bad to say on the thingy, uh, but it's kind of like you Put everything you can into it, and you and it doesn't work sometimes. And yeah. for things not to work, that is completely okay. But then you want someone at the end of the day to say, Don't worry, this job. happens, but you're actually doing a good job, and that's the most you can do. Yeah,
3: honestly, I think that's the hardest thing I found going from like underground master's level to PhD level because you're so used to going, Oh, you know, I worked really hard, I got my A, I, yeah, well, you I get your my exam grade. results. Whereas yeah. here, uh, like it's obviously not specific to here, just, just doing a research thing in general you know your supervisor doesn't have time to go yeah you're doing great every five minutes but you're used to having something to validate yourself against and not having that I personally find really difficult that's
2: something that I find the most difficult as well because you'll get to the end of a three-week experiment and either your cells will die or your um your data just doesn't look how it should and then no one says to you oh well you did a good job anyway yeah it's kind of your data. That's the thing I think that's hard in science. We shouldn't see negative results or things not working as a, a failure because yeah. science isn't going yeah, to work all the, the time. <laughs>
3: yeah, most of the time. you're figuring things out, and yeah. then sometimes when things don't work, you go, "Oh,
1: that's weird," and follow it up, yeah. and it turns out to be a thing. Something really cool. Yeah. yeah. So I think that can be a bigger deal for for you youngsters. i sounding <laughs> patronising. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> no, I <think> you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I think um, sort of people who are coming in doing a PhD at yeah. the age of 22, 23, 24, are used to achieving, are yeah. used to basically get it being top of, of every class that they've been in, and you get to a PhD where you do fail. Um, and it's sometimes, I think, the first time people have failed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that a bit with, with some of the, the sort of... People who are not quite as as aged as I am. But it still gets you down when things go wrong for you. And I think that's it in general. But I I think I've just had more years of (laughs) failure to get used to. Even the applications,
3: it's like, without sounding big-headed here, Mm -hmm. but it was the first time I got rejected for stuff Mm university-wise. Like, I got into all the undergrads I applied to. I actually got into both master's courses I applied to. The first time they were like, no, we don't want you, were PhD applications. And I did take it quite hard. Mm. but like you said that's just that's just the way it goes you know yeah. it's it's not personal and as it turned out actually it's just as well because if i would taken some of the other phds i don't think i'd have enjoyed it i don't think i've done very well but if you're used to always doing well it's 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 a weird feeling yeah so and sure. there's nothing they can say to prepare you for it either because you're like yeah no it's, of course it'll be fine <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> i think we've had a lot of conversations with jasmine about this and and uh people say oh you will fail several times in the first couple of years and things will go wrong but then you'll get loads of data at the end and it's it's very difficult um, to believe people when yeah, things yeah, do definitely. seem to be going wrong because we've both done a fairly high risk project of um, you know, the whole, it, it's exactly so, yeah. what you shouldn't do in science yeah. so basically <laughs> is is base your whole project on, on the, the first part yeah. Um, and it's lucky for both of us say so luck, goodwill good well still but, um, that, it's, that it's worked out but, Yeah, uh, it can be quite hard to deal with I
2: think for every few things that don't work, then when things do work and you do make improvements oh, yeah. and you really do believe in your research, I think it does make you you sometimes doubt it if things aren't working yeah, and you think what am I doing, especially when everything that, well our research looks like is so small and it is really small piece of a big puzzle but then when you do do little things that do make progress and you can see the progress and you actually think this is really beneficial Mm. in a wider picture as well and even just talking to each other and and I mean yeah because mine and Adele's projects are quite similar we talk to each other and you've helped me so much in terms of my experiments and Kind of taking shortcuts to get really good results or little t- well tips and tricks
1: <laughs> tips and tricks I'd say um, I'm very rigorous I never take shortcuts just just for the record <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no but that's the thing and you it does you can see all yeah. the all the improvements that you are making um, and you really can see how don't know your research is yeah. making an impact even though it might be small things it's but. always
3: really satisfying when you like go to lectures and stuff um and someone gives a talk and it is like particularly it's moved something particularly far forward or it's just okay. elegantly done or something and you're reminded why you really enjoy doing this yeah. and then you do hear like the breakthroughs in the news that have become so big that obviously even if we've heard of them for a bit longer they've got big enough that the general public are hearing more about it
2: yeah
3: and that's really satisfying when it's, it's starting to get out there more and actually have more of an impact because it does feel sometimes like oh this might not change anything for ten years, minimum. Sometimes it's
2: yeah. a bit frustrating. <laughs> it's a long process, yeah. but yeah, things do get things. Yeah, there is progress, and yeah. yeah, I think it is good that it
1: does get out to the public, and yeah, so they believe that science is also not just great. Just eating cake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there is a point though about cooperation. Oh yeah, I, I think I've barely. noticed. I don't know, coming from a clinical background where, you know, if you don't cooperate mm. with your peers and the people who are above and below you, people people might die. Yeah. So I think clinicians, we, we're pretty cack-handed in the lab, but what we are able to do, I think, is actually talk to people and cooperate, and I think we do that sometimes <clears throat> quite well, whereas... You do I that really well, you're always... <laughs> always asking
2: people for help. No, but emailing and asking their advice on things, which actually ultimately... It's good science yeah. because you're getting yeah. a range of ideas. Well, yeah,
1: especially I mean, if that's,
2: there's
3: better ways of doing things. Yeah. You don't want to spend six months trying to get something to work. Like so then, the wheel. Yeah, exactly. And then to meet someone and they go, oh, well, you could have done this and it would have got you there three months faster or something, and it's a better yeah. way of
1: doing it. It's useful to. So that would be a bit of advice is just talk to people. Ask yeah. questions. That is the best advice, I think. Because even Ask when people questions. look pretty scary, as soon as you start talking to them about something they're interested in, they'll just they'll yeah. just tell you stuff and they love people love talking about their work. But yeah, we're all a bit definitely. dull really aren't we? But <laughs> we just enjoy sort of talking
2: about talk. what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And being asked questions because we do do it day in day out yeah. and yeah, we do it ultimately to help other people.
1: Mm. Sometimes you can kind of lose sight of that when yeah. you got you do yeah, like doing doing the same thing for me. the fifth time yeah, and it's yeah. still not going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. What are the top tips then? Have we got?
2: Ask questions. You said that? I know, but I was just reiterating <laughs> it. Very I think it's very important thing.
3: Well I would say like uh if you're already in this sort of position, so if you're already sort of like PhD ish level and even master's to degree, because that was also very stressful. But I find it's very important to have something outside of it. And honestly, just anything to do with academia, just have something outside that matters a lot to you, that is not science. So that when it's not going great, you just can do something else, you don't have to think about it. And especially if it's something you can see progress in. So for for me, my main thing is I do a lot of exercise of different types. And um, that helps a lot because I can see progress and I Feel like i'm actually doing something getting better at something when i'm treading water at work and just sitting there just bearing. i can go and do something completely different and go look i'm not useless yay and so even if it's something simple just like we've got quite a lot of bakers on our floor so we get some <laughs> lovely cakes and like that's their thing as a way they to deal with delicious. it and i'd say i recommend something like that is really important to help you cope with it i think
2: and i think we're lucky in wales because we have oh beautiful we lucky. and
1: mountains yeah we've got a lovely scenery and i recently
2: got into cross-stitching <laughs>
1: Rock and roll, Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have what any do hobbies. You do with... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's I think you're absolutely right though, having I mean, having yeah. a vent, be that you know an understanding partner or yeah, exactly. you know, bit of gardening. <laughs> you know I'm showing my age again here.
3: Yeah, no, just, uh, just whales and gardening.
1: But yeah. of DIY <laughs> grab something yeah. the weekend. <laughs> you're always brave <barking. laughs> to this isn't a euphemism, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, well I'll be grouting in a couple of weekends, you're quite right. <laughs> I think my top tip would be believe in what you're doing, Yeah. especially when you kind of, because I'm in a sort of slightly different position in that I was able to sort of formulate my own, completely my own project, so if I didn't believe in this, you know, I probably would have given up, but I actually think this this may well yield some results. As well as being intrinsically interesting, um, it's it's something which I think might be useful at some point, and and it's proving to be potentially so at the moment. You know, now that I'm a couple of years in, so um, if you believe in it, you'll you'll get up in the morning and and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah,
2: and so I also think building on that point, if you kind of if you like stop believing in it slightly, don't be scared to change it, and. Yeah to push forward with ideas that you think are important and are necessary because sometimes you will end up going down a route that leads to nowhere and that is completely fine so I think definitely always believe in it and make sure it's you that believes in it don't do something because someone has told you to do it you have to believe in it because that will be what gets you up
1: in the morning doing it I think sorry And related to your point about (laughs) adapting I think is um it's quite tricky given the amount of time you spend in the lab and and doing the work to 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 read and keep oh, up to yeah. date with what's going on, but that can just take you in new directions all the time, you know. So what I think, I don't, both of our projects are probably going to end up very different to how we thought they yeah. might start out, just because there are new techniques around, um, there's new literature suggests new things. So these things are worth pursuing. Don't don't be too rigid. I yeah, think.
2: definitely.
3: Yeah, I think one thing might be worth saying as well is obviously you can do so much to try and make sure it's the best experience you can have, but also don't forget you will have days where you just don't want to do it, and that's fine. There are going to be days where you're just like, I just want to stay at home and sleep.
2: And do. And yeah.
3: Like, <laughs> unless you've got cells. Yeah. Unless, yeah. You, unless you've got cells, then you have days a week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, like, obviously if it's getting to a point where you feel you need help, please go get it. But it, the occasional day where you feel like it is, it's going to happen. I mean the kind of work we do is, is there are going to be days where you do sort of question your sanity for deciding to do it but then it's outweighed by the days where it goes well or you find something really cool or you know you've got accepted for a conference or something like that something that just makes it all worth it it's really nice.
0: I You're
2: always here. moan about having cells and having to come in but if I was given the opportunity to not work with stem cells I genuinely don't think I'd choose it Yeah. because I do think for what I'm for my yeah. research aim yeah. they are the best thing to actually study it.
3: I think that's a really good point. Like as much as we may complain and grumble and be like, Oh, this is terrible. And, 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 I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. It's it's I get to do something that I really find interesting every day, ninety nine times out of hundred. <laughs> with the added bonus that hopefully someday it's gonna make a difference to someone. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm having a bit of a rubbish day, I don't want to do anything else.
2: Yeah
3: rather have a rubbish day here than a like a good
1: day doing something banking.
3: else yeah <laughs> having done a couple of other little jobs i don't want to go back to that
1: <laughs> it was central banking not my... <laughs> 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 but no i mean that's the reason i'm here because uh, you know I, that wasn't for you <laughs> i went i went and it was ostensibly sort of a civil service thing it was supposed to be public service but i did lose sight of you know why i was doing it what was it doing to benefit people and it no uh, it's i didn't I didn't do medicine to help people as they say in the interview I did it for a lot of reasons but uh but yeah it's it's, it's this especially the sort of the research part of it is is a is a brilliant career. The thing that gets me is that and i think this is why a lot of neurologists end up doing um research is because it's a standard cliche that there aren't any treatments you just <coughs> give people some steroids um um And so so if you were just doing clinical stuff all the time where there are no treatments, especially as as somebody who's interested in uh, dementia, I I don't quite see how I'd be able to do it on a day-to-day basis. At least now I'm thinking, okay, I will see people in clinic, I'll notice sort of phenotypes or or bits that will kind of inspire bits of future research, but I'm also thinking about how the work I'm doing might one day lead to a treatment or at least contribute in some way to our understanding of the disease process which might do that. Um, so yeah I think I think it's it's very important, especially as a clinician working in an area
0: where there aren't many treatments. Mm. And finally, do you have any kind of words of encouragement or words of wisdom for the younger generation thinking of getting into science? Uh, I'd just say do it,
1: that would be the, the first and foremost. Um, I think it's it's a very interesting career, as we've all said. Um, it's constantly evolving. There's always going to be something new. Um, so I would have no hesitation in saying to people get involved.
2: I would also say that, and even if it seems daunting at first, don't feel daunted by it at all, because you will find an area that you love um, and love working in, and you will make a difference, no matter how big or small it may be. So, yeah, definitely do it.
3: Yeah, I think Spell, one thing that might be worth mentioning, especially in case some of my friends sort of fall into this category, that even if your work isn't directly applicable to like human health or something, it's still really important. We've made so many discoveries just in, like in general in history through going, oh, that's weird, and trying it out. And and we need people who want to just do it just because they just want to do some science. And even if it's like nothing, do what we do, like you want to do ecology or something, it's still really important. So if you want to be in science, yeah, don't don't be put off by... Sort of all the horror stories and <laughs> scare and stuff. It's 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 really worth it. And like you said, you will find something that you find interesting and that you really care about and want to do, like dedicate your
0: life to, sort of thing. Thank you, Thanks. thank you. Nice to end on such a positive message. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. So everything we've spoken about today will be added to the resources section of our website. So you'll be able to find this podcast at ncmh.info and uh, you'll be able to subscribe to our iTunes and SoundCloud where you'll also be able to find this episode as well. So I just wanted to thank you again for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.